This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back, my friends. Today, I have a guest who is the creative mind behind Dwell Mortgage. He's a full-time branch manager, top 1% mortgage originator for the last three years. He is also a business coach, a retired firefighter, and a coffee enthusiast. And right about there is where I dropped my H, and I actually meant coffee enthusiast. He believes he has grown his business by practicing honesty over making an extra dollar. Prior to lending and coaching, he was a full-time firefighter at the busiest station of the West Coast. Jim Kidwell is our guest today, and he believes that his experience as a firefighter has given him a special set of skills that he is able to bring into his business. Shane still calls the Seattle area home with his beautiful wife, Fernanda, and their amazing golden doodles, Lola and Sophie. What's up, Shane? What's up, Quinn? How are you, man? Good, good. So, Shane Kidwell, you are the top 1% mortgage lender since 2016 in the USA, correct? That is the statistic. <laughs> and so that's that's amazing. But before I before we go there, let's get into the uh, firefighting. You were a firefighter for how long? Yeah, so um, I was a fireman for 12 years. Um, I, I went to, actually, I was, a, I was in a, like an explorer's program in high school. So half of my day, I would go practice firefighting. The other half of the day, I'd go back to class. And so I had this love for firefighting, but when I, when I was graduating high school, going to college, I felt like I had to be a suit and tie like everybody else, right? So I went to the University of Washington. I dabbled. I traveled a little bit. I went to the University of Hawaii for a time uh, wow. and, and just traveled the world and decided that I wanted to be in business. So I got a political science degree. The thought was I was going to go to law school. My, my wife says I can argue very well. So the thought was I would go to law school and, and do that. And then as soon as I, like by my junior year, I was, I was like, man, this sucks. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. I want to go out and work with my hands and be outside. So I, I volunteered as a fireman. I think I made $6 a call. Uh, so like if we went on two calls in a day, I made 12 bucks. Um, and I was in college. I was a volunteer fireman and I, I worked at a furniture warehouse selling furniture. And then after college, uh, I got hired full time. So my full time career was about twelve years overall. With my volunteer experience, I was about fifteen years as a fireman, full time and part time. Hi. So that was your passion at the time, firefighting. Yeah, and you know, like I always thought I'd be a fireman for thirty years. I'd retire out with a pension. That was kind of that's the dream of a fireman, right? You get this pension, and so I guys yeah. sit around the station calculating their pension, right? <laughs> I was one of those guys, and. About six years in, I got hurt on the job pretty badly. Um, I had a roof collapse on me in a fire, and I lifted a very heavy patient all within the matter of a couple of months, and my back just you know, started to really break down. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking about, you know, what would I do if I didn't have this to fall back on, and like, what other skills do I have? You know, my dad had passed away when I was seven, and so early on in my life, I was shocked into that reality of, you know, things aren't always what they are forever. Right. And so my mom had to end up creating a house cleaning business. I'd clean houses with my mom as a little guy. And so I always had that fear of not having something to fall back on. Right. And yeah. so I, I, I said, I got to have a part-time second job. I got to have something I can fall back on. I don't know if my back is going to hold up. And so I started lending. And so I started lending in 2010, at like January of 2010. I think I was actually at the end of 2009, 
the licensing laws had changed, the market had changed. I mean, it was a crazy time to be getting into lending. And uh, I did like one or two deals my first year and I was a full-time fireman and I did like a couple more deals my second year. And, and then um, at that time I was working at the busiest station on the West coast, downtown Seattle, I think kind of in the shadow of the space needle. And we mm -hmm. were busy, man. Like when we were working like 20, 30 calls a day, cutting people out of cars, CPR, heroin overdoses. I mean, it was probably wow. one of the highest, you know, endorphin jobs you could imagine. And then I would get off work, go home, put on my suit and tie and start selling loans. Wow. And so I went through that cycle for six years. Um, and, and I started getting busier and busier in my lending career. And I built a team based on the understanding that like, I would say team, I'm going to be at the station tomorrow. I will be doing CPR. If you call me, I am not available. So figure it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've just built a really cool team around the understanding that I had hundred percent trust that they would grow my business. And they did. Um, I became a manager of my own branch. I started building a team and then I got to the point where I had to decide what I wanted to do. My wife came to me one day and in a moment of like, I think true, um, not weakness, but just being really vulnerable. She said, man, if you only put as much time into me as you did into your business. And I was like, wow, like, man, that, like that hit me hard. And, and it wasn't like she didn't intend it to be hurtful, but it was impactful. And I thought, you know, I've got to do something differently because my wife needs to know she's more important than my job. And yeah. so I was getting coached by a business coach at the time. And he had said to me, he said, Shane, you're jumping over hundreds to pick up dollars. Like, what are you doing? You can make so much more money and have the freedom you want being your own boss, being an entrepreneur. And it was a dramatic shift. And so almost three years ago to the day, I took an early retirement from the fire department and I started just, I dove into my business head first. And I said to myself, you know, if I'm not willing to invest in myself, if I was a stock, like Quinn, if you were a stock, if you weren't willing to buy your own stock, what are you in business, right? Yeah. Who else would buy it then? Who else would buy it? If you won't, if Jeff Bezos won't buy Amazon, why should anyone else, right? And, and as I thought, I said, man, I really need to take this serious and I need to go after it and really start to build, you know, generational wealth for my wife and like our future family. And so I hit top 1% the last three years. My first year, I was still a fireman. My last two years full time, I hit top 1%. And, and that's a statistic that really like, it's just a number. But I think what it what it's a representation of is that you don't have to be in a career for a long time to be successful. And that's the only reason I tell people that that statistic is like, there, there's no rule book that says, Quinn, you have to be in, you know, online sales for 10 years to be successful. Like that's like the time frame is irrelevant. It's the work ethic. It's the creativity. It's the mindset behind it. And so we've just been really blessed to have a really cool team and do some really cool things. Absolutely. So the year that you got into it full time, you were you jumped into the top one percent right away, isn't that correct? Yeah, I was actually a top one percent originator before I retired. Okay, so you know, Shane, that's like you said, you made it sound like it's not a huge deal, but you have to be doing something different that everybody else isn't, right? The other ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what is it? Is it is it just your mindset, or is it I don't know uh, the team that you build? Yeah. That's a great question. You know, like people would ask me that as I, cause I have, I own a coaching platform for other originators, mortgage bankers to help them find the best version of themselves. And people will ask me when we speak, like, 
what, how'd you do it? You know, like it's a secret, you know, secret sauce. And I said, you know, I, I had a really hard time thinking about, cause you just do it. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, you just work, you just do what you do and you don't really think about it. You just are who you are. But what I realized was, you know, it's very, very, very simple. I worked hard and I moved fast. And like, I say that, but like I did, I moved faster than everyone. I worked harder than everyone else. And yeah, there were some other things I did. I mean, like, I think our marketing has been really creative. I think that like I became a really good communicator through communicating with people on 911 calls. So if if somebody called me as a fireman and and we did a lot, like 80% of our business was going on aid calls. So paramedic calls, CPRs, high blood pressure, strokes, whatever the case would be, I'd get to their house. And you got to think about this. When somebody calls 911, that's their worst day ever. Like you're not calling 911 because you want to hang out and have coffee. You're calling 911 because you don't know anyone else to call. So we would get to these people's homes and they're freaking out. And you would have to find, at least my strategy to calm them down was to be relatable. Mm-hmm. So I would find something about everyone I could relate to. I'd say, you know, Quinn, you have an interesting accent. Where are you from? Oh, I've traveled there as well. I remember having coffee in wherever that would be. Or I noticed that you, you know, you, you're into comic books. I love comic or, or hey, I noticed that your son played football at University of Washington. I went to University of Washington. So I think that one of the things I really, really focused on early on was being relatable. And it's like, you're the Rubik's Cube to your client. If they like coffee, I love coffee. If they like sports, I love sports. If they like to travel, I love to travel. You like to be outdoors, I can't. You know, when you can relate to the person and get them to say yes to you, they'll say yes to your product. And and the product's irrelevant, right? Like, so if, if Quinn, I can sell you on me, then no matter what product I'm selling, you've already said yes. And I think that's, you know, if I'm working hard, I'm moving fast, I get you to yes early, I'm going to win more times than not. Cool. And Shane, if you wanted to not be present, is your team capable of running it with 100% without you at this point? Yeah, 100%. So one of the things that we I learned early on in life was to give uh, back to others. So we donate a lot of money, my wife and I, and then through our company. And we've been donating to an organization that builds wells in Africa. And I've always told my team, I said, guys, you need to work and manage your day and communicate and have technology so that if I'm in Africa, my client doesn't know. And so we've really built the team where it's, uh, it's that mindset. It's what if I was in Africa? What would you do? What decision would you make if I wasn't here to help you with that answer? So yeah, I, I mean, I think one of our tests was two years ago, I went to Hawaii and I left my cell phone at the office. Like I legitimately, I took my iPhone, I gave it to my assistant. I said, you're in charge. I bought a burner phone. I gave her that number. I said, don't call unless the office is burning down. And I spent 10 days with my bride in Hawaii. And I think I called her twice out of nervousness more than anything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we were off and running, man. So I've got an amazing team. We have, we have 28 staff in my mortgage company. And I've just got a phenomenal group of people here. That's incredible. So Shane, for example, uh, you know, I'm not in mortgages, not even close, but I know that in that industry, the top goal is to get more leads and then those leads are going to become customers, right? So how is it that you generate leads today for your business? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the majority of it is from personal relationships. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. 75 to 80% is from our referral partners, which would be, you know, our real estate agents, insurance agents, financial planners, CPAs, divorce attorneys. Like really for me, I just call them influencers. I want to be friends with people who influence my neighborhood. 
Because if I'm hanging out and they've got to be good people, like one of the rules for me is if, if we can't hang out and have a cold beverage together, like I'm not going to go after their business because if I don't enjoy somebody and if, if when they call me, I'm like, oh, great, you know, Quinn's calling me again. Like if I can't be excited to pick up the phone, we don't work together. So 75% of my business is from, is from influencers like real estate agents. And then 25% is probably past clients in my like personal sphere. Sweet. And then do you use some sort of CRM to keep up and follow up with them? Yeah. So we've got a couple different techniques and tools. Um, I built my own proprietary system of Salesforce. And so I took, you know, obviously Salesforce is generic out of the box and I built it into fit exactly how I would communicate and how, how I would manage my day. So we're big on text messaging. We're big on video communication. We're big on email. I like to say, it's almost like, how would you invite somebody to a wedding? Well, you'd maybe post on social media, save the date. Then you'd send them a handwritten card. Then you might call your, your close friends and invite them. We want to hit people from all different areas from, with communication. And so that's where our CRM has been huge for us. And that CRM that you kind of, you got the out of the box one and built it, turned it your own. Was that kind of your own doing or did you have to hire somebody to get it to, to do what you want? Boy, that is a great question. Um, I think any, like any technology shouldn't be the best use of my time, right? Like if I'm really, really good at programming software, I'm probably not good at sales. Like typically mm. those two profiles don't. Now I do like building websites and I, I, I nerd out on that stuff all the time, but, but it's not a great use of my time. It's not my highest ROI. So we have developers that we've built relationships with. They're not cheap by any means, but the goal is that I pay them less per hour than I pay myself. And so it's still a better use of my time to hire out. So we do, we have developers that we work with. I will give them the vision for what I want the system to accomplish, how I want it to be done. And, and really have that, I communicate the quality standard of what I need it to look like. And then I have them go out and build it. Very good. Do you use some sort of sales funnels outside of your own site or just your own site? Yeah, so we do a little bit. Um, I built my own website um, off a very, really basic platform, but we do a lot of marketing through social media. So I'm a huge proponent of, in our industry, organic um, social media. And so we actually went and got trained. I mean, I have a coach that I've worked with and I've actually had several coaches and we got trained in how to kind of master Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and how to leverage the gear, like pull the, pull the gears and the pull the levers and get the organic side to maximize our exposure. And so I would say our online leads, the majority of them are free and they come through organic social media. So we've dabbled in the paid marketing um, we've bought leads, we've done different things. Our best conversion has come from the organic side. Yes. Oh, wow. So on the organic side, for example, I know that Instagram for products is probably top one for services. It may be LinkedIn and for Facebook, it's more, I guess in my own case, it's more for paid advertising. Do you find it some way? Cause since yours is services is LinkedIn, your number one organic. I would say for me, it's not about, cause, cause I have one product, right? Me, like I'm selling myself. I use the different platforms for different audiences. LinkedIn is far more for the business audience. Like, so for my, my circle of, you know, influencers, my CPAs, divorce attorneys, financial planners, they live on LinkedIn a lot more than my social sphere. My personal friends live on Facebook and Instagram. My real estate friends live on Instagram. My younger audience lives on Instagram, right? And a little bit on Facebook. So 
I use all three platforms in a very similar way to reach different segments of my audience. Very good. How, as for your coaching, from what I understand, you coach other lenders how to basically how to become more like you. Is that right? You know, I think we coach other people how to be the best version of themselves. And so, like, I obviously, like, I was coached by quite a few people. I mean, I was coached by a Navy SEAL for a while. Uh, that dude made me sweat on the phone every time we talked. And David was a phenomenal guy to work with. And, and you know, I took away things from him. I took away things from our other coaches. Was our goal David is... Doggins? Yes. Yeah, it was. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. And, and you know what? Man, I was so blessed to work with David because he is so unique and has such a different perspective on life. And so I took away from him that I think that one of the things that coaches do a poor job of is I think they tell people what they want to hear because they want to keep them in coaching. Like if you make people feel comfortable, they're going to pay you more money for more time. And I hated that because I felt like I'm paying you to help me see the blind spot in my life, in my business, in my physicality, whatever that may be. And so sometimes those are hard conversations. And so we have hard conversations with our clients. Our goal is to take somebody from where they are to where they want to be. And that's different for everybody. For some people, they go, I want to do five loans a month. I want to do, you know, $10,000 in gross revenue. Fantastic. We will hold you to that goal. Some people say, I want to make 50 grand a month. We will hold you to that goal. We have, I have been, you know, the guy making one deal a month. I've been the guy making 50 grand a month and everything in between. And so I only hold people to what they want to be. And my job is to make sure that when some, to make sure somebody's dream becomes their reality, it doesn't just stay their dream. And truthfully, Quinn, I think the biggest thing I've learned as a coach, I've learned more than I've probably taught, is that people live down to their, to the story that they either built for themselves or their parents, their family created for them. So for instance, like if you grew up poor in the Midwest, and your family were coal miners, they would say, hey, if you make over 30 grand a year, you're winning. Well, this person might say, you know, I made 50 grand last year. That was pretty good. And I go, and I would ask them, compared to what? Compared to my dad, compared to my mom, compared to what my family told me I had to be. And I say, well, that's, is that your dream or is that their dream? We want to teach people how to live into their dream. You know, my dad died when I was seven. I don't have a dream that was built by somebody else for me. I had to create my own. And so it's like, you've got to create something that is yours that you can achieve. And then we like to pull people up the hill. Nice. Does that dream of yours change frequently? Do you keep adjusting it? I think any good entrepreneur is always changing, right? Like I would say that, you know, for, for those on the call who are successful, but have been through struggles and been through things, you're constantly finding new ways to stay engaged in your mind, right? Yes. And, and I think that's true for me as well. So, you know, we, we launched an insurance company last month. We've, we're, we're launching a multifamily investment um, group uh, here in a couple of months. And so for me, I'm always looking for new ways to take what I enjoy and leverage that with others. And so, yeah, I think the good entrepreneurs are always changing and growing and moving and shaking. Very good. I like that. And I like the fact that you mentioned that your kind of approach to coaching is, you didn't say that, but I'm guessing it's a non-BS approach, right? You're not going to tell people what, what they want to hear. You're going to tell them the truth and what they need to hear. Yeah, it's, there's no filter. It's, 
explicit lyrics, depending on the audience. I mean, like we just really want to speak to people where they, they will hear it the best. And I, I firmly believe that there's, there's a creator out there who speaks to us if we listen and if our minds aren't filled with junk. And uh, I, I'll, you know, as, I'm, as we're working with our clients, we'll hear them say something. We'll say, hey, I think what you're really looking for is this. Am I right? Awesome. Let's work to that goal. So we don't want to make people fit into a box. I think that's what coaches who were around, you know, back in the day would do is this is my box. I'm going to fit you in my box. It's like, man, boxes are bull crap. Like it, you should be whatever you're supposed to be the best version of that every day. And so that's what we do. And so, yeah, we have hard conversations. We have good, healthy conflict. You know, we had a group, we have this group called peak performers. And it's a high-level coaching group. We meet every quarter for a day. We have other events we do. But this specific day, all we do is talk about our weaknesses. All we do is peel back like, and we expose the true inner struggles that we have. Not what's on Facebook. Not the white picket fence. We talk about our weaknesses. And we came out of that day. It was 12 hours. And it was the most impactful day that most of us have had in a long time because we, there was so much truth in that room. And in business and in life, we posture so much right? We only show what we think people want to see. And so there's very little authenticity anymore. And we just want to cut through that. I think that's true in in business. I have found some of my greatest success in the mortgage industry, having no filter, being myself, having fun, listening to rap music, having, you know, like humor in our videos and things that we do. And like just being you, because when you're yourself, you're always better off than trying to be somebody else. And Shane, do you think that compared to, for example, I don't know, Joe has a 0.2% rate lower than you, but you are, you have the authenticity and basically, you know, the truth, you're, you're completely honest. Do you think that kind of has a better effect? hundred percent. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. We got to be competitive. We're going to market the hell out of our people. Like we want them to know that we love them and we're going to market to them in unique ways. And we're going to work harder and move faster. And if we do that, we're going to win the business we're supposed to win. We're going to grow our family with the people that are going to fit our market. So I think it's important is like if we aren't competitive, we, we will start to lose. I mean, we're in a highly competitive market and industry, and it's becoming more and more competitive. I think that one of the things that we do, we focus a lot on is branding ourselves 1% better than everybody else. So like you might brand yourself with a postcard and I might have a similar postcard. My postcard's 1% better. You might use, you know, you might give out Starbucks cards to your clients as thank yous. Well, my Starbucks card is laser etched with my logo. You know, you might give your client a closing gift. I'm going to give them four gifts throughout the process and it's going to be branded. Like we're trying to do something to be in front of our people all the time with our personal brand and just a little bit better in everything we do. If I'm 1% better everything I do, it's a dramatic shift from our competition. And when you close that deal, do you ask for referrals? We ask for referrals before we close the deal. Like we, we have something we call our client experience and we're marketing to our people throughout the process. There's some major milestones where there's a lot more emotion in, involved when they're approved, when their loan is ready to close, when they sign, when their appraisal comes in, different things, when they apply, when they're pre-approved to go look for a home. We want to capture those emotional moments. We want to love on them, celebrate with them. So they remember us as a part of that, that emotion, that experience they had. And so when we ask for referrals, 
a lot of it just happens naturally because they've enjoyed the process so much. Very good. Now, Shane, I want to ask you, since you had a coach, David Goggins, I guess to you, that's going to be a different, but do you think that being physically fit will actually help you in business? 100%. So, and David talks about that a lot. You know, there's really kind of like the four pillars of your life, your spiritual, relational, financial, and your physical, right? And what David really taught me was, listen, you can focus on any one of those areas and hope it pulls up the other areas, right? But like, if you're really good at business and you're fat and out of shape and unhealthy, like being great at business doesn't make you healthy. I would agree with David that being healthy makes you better at business. Being healthy can make your relationships better. Like if you're healthy, you're well-rested, you feel confident in yourself, you're going to have a better experience with your spouse or your significant other. You're going to feel more confident going into a business meeting because you're competing against some fat, out of shape, lazy guy who got up at seven and you got up at five and you worked out and you feel good. So 100%, like it's no secret that most of the really successful people in life are active all the time. They do it early in their day. They have a plan, they're in control and they take care of their bodies, 100%. Yeah, I like that. I like the fact that you mentioned the plan. And there's one more thing that I find is super important is to be able to focus on something and uh, lose all the distractions that it's so easy to get today. How do you handle that, the distractions and staying focused in your own lane? You know, I keep it simple, stupid, right? That's KISS, right? Yes. Uh, Like, I mean, I have some new technology. Obviously, there's a lot of shiny objects out there. But for me, Quinn, like I have an Outlook calendar that I print out every morning. I put that on my keyboard. So before I start attacking my day, I plan ahead. I've got a whiteboard on my wall. Anything I need to do is written in red. So when I walk by that whiteboard, I can't miss it. So I use technology, all kinds of technologies, but I use some very simple things to keep my day organized because for those of you who know what a disc profile is, I'm high D, I'm ADD, OCD, I got a lot of energy, I drink a lot of coffee, I'm moving really, really fast. So I keep my organizational skill, like plan of attack very simple. I plan my week ahead. I live in my calendar. I don't do anything without intention. So I don't just react, I pro, I'm pro. i proactive. So I'm very strategic in what I'm doing in my day because, and, and I think this is something that entrepreneurs and business people in general have a hard time with. They don't know what they're worth. Like they haven't done the math to figure out what their dollar per hour wage is. And an entrepreneur is like, well, I'm self-employed. I get paid when the deal closes. Well, if you're good at your job, you know how much energy it takes to close a deal. You know how many hours you work. You know you know your dollar per hour. If I'm worth $396 an hour, I am going to say no to things that somebody else could do for me. I might say no to things that I know are going to pull me away from my dollar per hour activities. If you're worth $10 an hour, you're going to do different activities. It's not right or wrong. It's just real life. And so I think that's been one of the things that's helped me focus more than anything was understanding my value. I can say no to a coffee appointment with a new referral partner because I'm supposed to go meet with one of my developers who helps me close 30 deals a year. I know what to say yes to because I've planned my day and I know what I'm worth. I've been there, Shane. So I know exactly what you're talking about right now because I, I used to find myself doing the $5, the $10 tasks 
just because I knew how to do it and I was there. So why not do it? And then I did uh, thankfully change the mindset to, to exactly that, know your worth and get somebody else to do it. And in fact, something really cool happened. It was the fact that I found that there's people out there that can do things cheaper and a lot better than me. And they love doing it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the fact that I thought because, and you mentioned that earlier, doing something for 10 years does not make you the best at it, right? It just it just makes you the person that's been doing it for 10 years. And, and I used to think that I could be the best at, at the things I was doing because I was doing it for so long. And the reality is I can get people for a lot cheaper than myself to do things 10 times better than me. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree, Quinn. Yeah. And, and that's how for the last few years I've been growing more than in the previous 10 is because I learned to accept that. And now, uh, you know, you hire people that are passionate about something and good at that something. Yeah. You know, I'll give, I'll give your, your audience the one minute cheat sheet on how to do this, how to, how to hire staff. You take a yellow notepad and any, and while you're working, you write down every task you do, answer phone, send emails, you know, manage payroll, order lunch, print copies, whatever, build websites, whatever that is, write everything down. Now that list for most of us, 100, 200, 300 things maybe. Then you go through and you highlight the things you enjoy. Like out of those 100, and you'll find you might enjoy five of them, right? Mm -hmm. That is the 80-20. That's the 20% of the business that you do that generates 80% of your revenue. Everything else, you have now created the job description to hire your first staff member. And you go, I am hiring four, must be good at the following. And you just list off everything you hate doing. If you don't like doing it, you're going to find somebody else out there who does like doing it. That's where they get their, like, that's their love language. That's their business love language. And you let them do it. How about time for your own family right now, Shane? Uh, You know, you mentioned earlier that your wife, Fernanda, asked you that question. It was about what if you spend that amount of time to me? How was it exactly? Yeah. So she, she was in like, it was one of those days where, you know, as an entrepreneur, I came home late, you know, late for dinner, you know, we've all been there and wife's waiting for you. Food's getting cold. And she just in a moment of weakness said, if you only cared as much about me as you do your business. And now truth be told, I love my wife way more than business. Business is easy for me. Like compared to being in a marriage is tough. Like anybody who's been married knows it's tough. We've been married almost 12 years. And I, I mean, she's an amazing woman. She's from Brazil originally. So she's got a nice like fire to her that keeps me on my toes. But you know, I think that that was a moment for me where it opened my eyes to understanding how short life is. My dad died when I was seven. He was a very healthy, amazing entrepreneur, got cancer. Two years later, he died. And so it's so important as you, you, you grow in life, life speeds up. Like life speeds up dramatically and, and the world gets smaller and opportunities become easier. And so it's, it's really important that you prioritize what really matters to you in life. Like, you know, Robin Williams committed suicide and that guy had seemingly everything in life. It's so important to say, do I want to make another dollar or do I want to spend time with the people I love? And so I don't work Sundays ever. Um, Saturdays, I, I don't really work. If I'm working on a Saturday, I'm doing something for myself on my laptop with a good cup of coffee. My wife's off with her girlfriends. 
we travel, we travel the world together. We're taking my parents on a, a cruise to Europe and they're getting, you know, they're in their seventies and, and I'm, I'm seeing, you know, my parents, like the opportunities to spend time with my parents, you know, dwindling. And so I just think it's so important to understand that the, the goal isn't to be the best in business. That's not the goal. That's the means to the end. What is your end? What is your why? It's not to make money. It's never to make money. The money gives you an opportunity to live your why. The why is what's really important. And if you don't know what your why is, you're going to be just working to work and you'll never, you'll never get the passion, the joy. You won't enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, it makes it really hard to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Exactly. That's why it's very important to write down what your why is and why you're doing all of this because a lot of people actually, when they achieve it, they forget that's what they were doing it for. And sometimes I ask people, like, why are you doing this? And, and they say, well, it's not for the money. The money will help me be, uh, get more freedom so I can spend more time with my kids. And when in reality, you know, your kids are right there. Why aren't you spending that time with yeah. them right now? Because they forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Shane, so let us know where we could get, for example, if we wanted to be coached by you, where I could find your coaching, where I could find your, your businesses. Give me your, uh, your two-minute pitch. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to, you know, look at changing your life in the mortgage industry, you know, myself and my business partners would love to help. Um, our coaching company is called Next Level Loan Officers. You can just go to nextlevello.com. Uh, it's a coaching program run by producers for producers. We're all still in the business. We, we, we make far more in good feelings than we do in revenue. We don't do it for the money. We do it because we love helping people be their best version of themselves. So nextlevello.com. You can look me up, Shane Kidwell, K-I-D-W-E-L-L on Facebook, LinkedIn. And then if you're interested in learning more about our mortgage company, Dwell Mortgage, and if you're like, you know, I'm in the business and this might be a good fit, I got a text. You can text Dwell, D-W-E-L-L, to 38 one seven zero got it and uh that will get you to our our uh our website that'll help you get in the flow with me otherwise just reach out to me on facebook and uh you know we like we're not built for everybody but you know i think that this industry and being an entrepreneur it's a really small world of people who are like-minded i learned so much just by interacting with other people so we just love having communication and, and conversation with people yeah i love it as well and for those of you that are driving or running on the treadmill right now, I'm going to have these on the show notes. And the show notes are going to be at failfastpodcast.com forward slash Shane Kidwell. All right. And you can check these out or just go to Failfast Podcast and you'll see the latest episode there with all the show notes here related to Shane's episode. Shane, thank you so much. This was actually super informative. Like I said, I'm not into lending, but I, I bet you there's a lot of people out there that would love to pick your brain and know more and be coached by you. Thanks, man. It was, it was fun being on. Thank you. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.